0: Good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. Uh, for those of you watching online, for those of you in the room here, uh, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor of New Life Fellowship Church here in Queens, New York City. And whether you're joining from Facebook, from newlife.nyc, from YouTube, uh, it is a gift to worship with you and a gift to raise our voices uh, before the Lord here. I am joined on stage by my wife, Rosie. Give it up for Rosie. Rosie. And I am thrilled that she'll be uh, teaching and preaching with me uh, this day on this Next Gen Sunday. Next Gen Sunday has been, uh, every year we take a moment to think about the next generation. And not just thinking about the next generation, but thinking about what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be a community? What does it mean for us to steward what God has entrusted us with? And so in many ways, we're not just focusing on the next generation. We're trying to cast a vision for our entire church as we think about the future. Yeah, as
1: we think about the future and as we, um, turn our microphones on. There we go. As we think about the future and, and the next generation, um, what it really is all about, you must be, some of you might be wondering, like, what does this have to do with me? And it has a lot to do with you. And it's about leaving a legacy. Um, you too can leave a legacy, uh, because, uh, all of us sitting here in this room have the potential uh, to impact the next generation in one way or another. And so when um, many years ago, I was the family ministry pastor here at New Life Fellowship, which basically means I was over uh, kids ministry, pretty much from cradle to college is what we called it. And um, I oversaw the ministry and, and now we have amazing leaders leading in this area. And while I was leading, we had this verse um, that was kind of our our go-to verse. It kind of led us and directed us in in, in what it looked like to to be in ministry, to minister to the next generation, and what does that look like for the church as a whole. And that verse is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, and it's called the Shema. So I'm going to read it out for you, and then we'll, we'll dive right in. Hear, O Israel.
0: amen let's pray together lord we uh pray that you would give us all we need today as we think about our own lives as we think about our church as we think about this next generation give us ears to hear eyes to see and a heart to receive all you have for us this day we pray these things in jesus name and everyone said amen Amen. one of the things i love about my family my immediate family my extended family is we don't need any reason to get up and dance uh we just do it Uh, It doesn't matter where we're at, uh, no matter what kind of celebration, festivity, at some point in the gathering, there's going to be some movement. At some point in the gathering, there's going to be some dancing. And at some point, especially in the more larger gatherings when we get together, at some point in the program... There's going to be a breakout of the electric slide. We're just going to break out in the electric slide. We're just going to do it. It's what we do. Uh, uh, kindergarten graduation, electric slide, okay? Uh, baby dedication, electric slide. Uh, you know, graduated from middle school, electric slide. Wedding, electric slide. At some point, we're going to move in unison with one another. We're going to go a few steps to the right, a few steps to the left. We're going to break it back. We're going to go forward. We're going to switch. We're going to do it. The whole thing and I love it because when we're dancing together we are in one accord we're in unity of course that's the, there's that family member that when everyone's going right they're going left and when they're going back they're going forward but, but regardless of that we are in one accord and there's something really beautiful about seeing a whole bunch of people dancing in the same way, dancing to the same rhythm. And it's just not our my immediate family or our extended family. This is our new life family as well. We know how to do the electric slide as a congregation. There's proof. At our New Year's Eve, if you've never been to our New Year's Eve kind of celebrations, we have a time in the gathering, in the celebration, where we're moving, doing the electric slide. It's glorious. It's wonderful. I've been doing it for 10 plus years, 12 plus years. It is fantastic. And when I think about the electric slide and my family and our church, I think about spiritual formation as well. What does it look like to dance in the rhythm of God's grace together? What does it mean that we are in one spirit, in one accord, moving in the same direction towards a particular end and doing it with great joy? What does it mean to be the church? And so when we think about next-gen ministry and next-gen life and the emerging generations, this Sunday is not simply about thinking about those that are younger than us. This Sunday at its core is about rethinking what it means to be the church, What it means to be community, what it means to belong together, which means that from time to time we have to recognize what the church is not, even as we think about what the church is supposed to be. And so I want to give three images that remind us of what the church is not to be and then really orient us around where the church is called to be and called to do. And then we're going to look at this text together. The first thing I want you to see is that the church is not called to be a mall. The church is not called to be a mall. What is a mall? Well, a mall is a place where crowds of consumers gather. And they come in to get their goodies, to get their stuff, and then they leave. And it's very easy for a church to become a mall. A place where people come to get their spiritual goodies. They're religious goodies, to feel good about themselves, get what they wanted, and then go about their day, and then come back and do the same thing. Again, we're not called to be a mall. Somebody say amen. amen. We're not called to be a mall. Secondly, we're not called to be a stadium. We're not called to be a stadium. And that's a beautiful stadium. But we're not called to be a stadium. What is a stadium? Well, a stadium is, is a crowd of spectators. Where we're just looking, observing from a very comfortable distance. Not engaged whatsoever in actually what's happening. We're called to be uh, beyond just spectators. But the third image that we must remember as we think about what the church is to be is we're not called to be a subway car. A subway car is this crowd of, of anonymous, diverse people in close proximity. And in the subway car, if we're honest with ourselves, I could care less whether you get to your destination or not. I care about getting to my destination. I want to get off at my stop so I can do what I need to do. Whether you get to your is irrelevant to me. And what we are called to be is more than just a subway car. A subway car in which we could care less about one another. No, we are here to remind ourselves that we care where everyone gets to. The destination in God, where God has for us. We want to have that deep in our hearts. And so at the core of what we're doing today, It's not just thinking about emerging generations. We must reimagine what it means to be the church, reimagine what it means to be a community.
1: And so when we think about what does it mean to be a new community, Christ died to make us a new family, to become a new group of people, to become a other group of people that do things differently than the rest of the world does. And so we are called to become a multi-generational church that is working together to, so that others can know who Christ is.
2: Mm.
1: And so when, when I think about that, when I think about what is, uh, you know, what is the church supposed to be, I always go back to the image that is in, in Scripture. The church is the body of Christ. There are hands and feet and legs and heads. There's all kinds of different parts of the body of Christ. And typically the way churches function is the hand is over here doing one thing. The foot is over there doing something else. And we don't know what's going on. We know it's functioning. We have no idea what's happening, though. We don't know who's doing what. How can the body move forward? How can the body progress? How can the body um, move in a direction if we are not working with one another in the same direction? If the hand is doing something, it's like, I have no idea what they're doing, who cares? The hand could be sick, but the foot is like, I don't care, I'm working just fine. If part of the body isn't functioning well, the whole body is not well. And so that's the image I look at. We are the body of Christ. We are a new family. We are to do things differently. And we are interdependent on one another.
0: Yeah, and so there's this one line that we're gonna explore for our time. Again, some of you came in here and said, you know, I don't, I don't have young children, or, or I'm single, or, or my children are old, and all that stuff. This has everything to do with what it means to be the church. And this one line is something we want you to hold on to, and it is this, that it takes a multi-generational church to raise a mature disciple of Jesus. It takes a multi-generational church to raise a mature disciple of Jesus of jesus that we need multiple generations and we see this in the new testament we see this throughout scripture we need everyone playing their part handing something down so that it can be handed down to the next generation we are a multi-generational church to raise mature disciples of jesus which means that our church is already uh, made in a way to move us in this direction New Life Fellowship, when you look around the room, you see the various ages represented in this sanctuary. When you look at our church, the various ages and stages of life, we are uniquely positioned as a congregation to help people grow into a mature disciple of Jesus Christ. And yet, even with this before us, we have some challenges. We have some problems that we must explore.
1: Yeah, some of the challenges that we face today Um, especially when it comes to leaving a legacy, or especially when it comes to passing on what we know about the living God to a younger generation. And one of those things are, the word is disconnection. We have never been more connected to one another in the history of our world than we are now. We can have a FaceTime chat with someone in Australia. We, We do that all the time. We can talk to one another. We can do work from home on screens. We can chat about each other, tell people what we ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We have never been more connected than we ever have been before, and yet we have never felt more disconnected in the history of our world. Why? Why? This is what we are facing as adults. Imagine young people. They're all over social media, but they have never felt more alone. We have young people as young as 11 and 12 harming themselves because they feel alone this is an issue that we all face it's not just parents problems it's our problem it is our generation that that is facing this as well and so um there's a doctor called dr vivek murthy he uh him and his team they do, they've done some research and there are He mentions that there are three areas of connectedness that we as human beings need to uh, feel connected, to feel connected to one another. The first is called intimate and emotional connectedness. This is a type of connectedness that comes from your family or your spouse. It's intimate, people know you. Uh, The second is called relational and social connectedness. So we're talking about friends, having a close friend you can kind of connect with and talk with about sports and different things and even share some of your issues with and and, and pray over you with. And number three is called the collective connectedness. We need to feel connected to a group of people moving in the same direction, that believe in something bigger than themselves. And this is where you all come in. We have this collective connectedness that you guys can contribute to. Another issue facing our young people are that our people are confronted with ideas and moral positions at a rate and in a manner that allows little room for reflection or processing. Our young people are getting, are being inundated with lots of messages about who they are, who they should be, who they shouldn't be, how you should be, how you should act, what's okay, what's not, and they have no space to process this information. They have no space to even feel safe to do so. And so we have an opportunity, a unique opportunity here in this church to create safe spaces for that. And um, yeah
0: yeah so hear this disconnection the, the speed by which things are changing on a weekly basis is so overwhelming and it's coming at children in all forms on social media on the internet at schools friends kids are more peer oriented than anything else we have kids discipling kids which should not be happening in our society We have 12-year-olds and uh, 13-year-olds discipling other 12- and 13-year-olds. And so the church is called to be something bigger. The church is called to come against these forces uh, that are harming our children, the disconnection that they're experiencing, the level of change that doesn't allow for any kind of reflection or discernment. And then we have, in emerging generations, the challenge of faith. Uh, Barna, uh, there's an organization called Barna that uh, does research. And uh, one of the things that they've mentioned about emerging generations is this. They said that more than any other generation before them, Gen Z does not assert a religious identity. They might be drawn to things spiritual, but with a vastly different starting point from previous generations, many of whom received basic education in the Bible and Christianity. And it shows the percentage of Gen Z uh, people that identifies as atheists is double that of the U.S. adult population. And so we have a crisis of disconnection. The level of change that's happening in our society is so rapid that it's hard for children and parents, everyone, to catch up to it. And then we have challenges of faith. And so Deuteronomy 6 really is an invitation for us to be a different kind of community. A community in which faith is handed down. And so, here the verse again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with your heart, with your soul, and with your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. It doesn't say inflict them on your children. No, impress them. Amen. On your children. Talk about them when you sit at home or when you walk along the road. When you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The three things I want you to see, that we want you to see out of this passage, and then we're going to talk about implications for our personal lives and our lives together as a church family. The first thing I want you to see is really the goal of this. Again, this is the Shema. This is a a critical uh, verse in the life of Israel and in the life of people of faith. And it begins with, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord our God is one. But note that we don't end, and this verse doesn't end with just a theological declaration about the Lord being one. It's easy to stop it right here. There is one God. And it becomes combative, and it becomes, it's my God, not your God, and all the rest. But notice where this goes. There is one God, and then we see the goal of our lives, which is love. Mm. Love. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and all of your soul, and all of your strength. That the goal for our lives is to love God. And the goal of our lives is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And this is what we want to hand down to the next generation. What does it mean to love? What does it mean to love well? And if you have been paying attention to society, oh, you know, the last uh, 2,000 years or so, we have a hard time loving. We have a hard time loving. And yet the church, the body of Christ, as we think about the formation of our own lives and the formation of those who are coming behind us, what we are called to is a life of love. That's the first thing we see in this passage.
1: And we want you to take note of um, this passage in Deuteronomy 6. This passage was given, it was a speech given by Moses to the people of Israel. And it was at a time when they were getting ready to enter the promised land. And so if you notice in this message, it doesn't say, hear, O parents, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It says, hear, O Israel. He was speaking to all of Israel. He was speaking to the young people of Israel. He was speaking to the single people of Israel. He was speaking to the childless of Israel. He was speaking to parents of Israel. He was speaking to the elderly of the people of Israel. He was speaking to an entire group of people, regardless of where they were in their life stage, if they were studying, if they were just, they have no children, or if they were elderly and their children have grown. No, hear, O Israel, hear, O new life. This was a message given to all of us, And then it says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children. When they said, when Moses said, impress them on your children, he was speaking to all of Israel. The children that you see walking the halls at New Life, the children that you see sitting down next to you are our children. They are our legacy. They are the future of New Life. They are the future of this planet that we live on. And so we need to change and shift our mindset in thinking, oh, those are their children. They're responsible for them. I'm not doing anything. No, they are our children. Here, O Israel. Impress these truths on the children. Talk about them when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up on the journey of life. When you're living your life at the different stages that each of these kids will live through, you've been there. You've been through some of the stuff that these kids will go through. You have something to give them. Mm. You have something to share. You have a listening ear. You have a smile. You have the ability to give them your undivided attention. Do you know what a gift that is? It's a real and true gift. And so when Moses was speaking to them, he was speaking to all of them. And so this truth, this truth is for all of us. No matter what stage you are in life today, sitting here in this room, you have something to give. This call is for you as well.
0: And then third is that we've seen this passage here. And So the, the goal of this is love. This is for everyone. And then the third thing I want you to see is that the formation that's needed is on the road. Mm. And, uh, Rosie, we've been talking about just what does it mean? We are to be more than just a family that does spiritual things one hour a week on a Sunday. And then this is what we do here, and then that's it. There's something more ordinary, Mm -hmm. something more regular about our lives together.
1: Yeah, I I know of uh, families who, um, they have, for example, there's a family I know, and they did this very, very well. They modeled it wonderful for me and my family, and it's something that I aspire to. Um, They are a family of four. They have two young girls, and... They have a friend who was a single woman for many, many years and had no children, but she was a part of their lives. She came to their house, she had dinner with them, she went to their birthday parties, she went to their recitals and their concerts, and they did life together. And that woman poured herself into this family, into their children, into their two daughters, and it has formed these children in such beautiful ways. And they're able to stand up on their two feet, own two feet in many, many wonderful ways. This is just one example of what it means to walk along the road. Who are you going to walk alongside? Who are you going to partner with?
0: Yeah, so this passage here uh, has lots of implication for our lives. And when I think about the implication, I, w- I want to first of all look at our entire community. That's the first level of kind of application. Then I want to take a moment to look at... Uh, The children of our younger generation and then we want to speak to parents and caregivers about this passage here and so the first thing we want to say about this community uh, about this word is for our community and it is this that all of us no matter where we are on our spiritual journey no matter where we are in our lives we all have something to give we God has given you gifts God has given you experiences God has allowed you for whatever reason to go through some hard times and good times And this message is for every single one of us that we have something to pass on, to pass along to this younger generation.
1: And the other thing that is for you, community and Church of God, is um, you may not be called to parent this next generation, but you are called to impact this next generation. And so it is, And you can do this in many ways, you can mentor, you can pray for them, you can walk alongside parents, you can partner in our kids ministry, in our youth ministry, you can, uh, there's just so many ways that you can impact the next generation.
0: And I want you to hold on to, again, this is about vision, Mm -hmm. and I want you to engage in maybe just a a simple mental exercise with me. Uh, Imagine New Life Fellowship Church 50 years from now, 50 years from now. Imagine the year is 2072. In our first service, people got very nervous. They were just like, I don't think I'm gonna be here in 2072. It's just like, this is not a good future. (laughs) And so put that thought to the side for a moment. 50 years from now, I hope I'm in my 90s, honey. Oh, I I pray. I hope in my 90s here. We'll see. Uh, 50 years from now, that's not my point. Here's my point. My point is this: 50 years from now are there people worshiping in this room are there people lifting their voices for jesus are there people reaching others and being baptized and our babies being dedicated are we working for justice and mercy and compassion in the world in the year 2072 and my hope is yes we can do this but it requires us to think more than just about ourselves it requires us to think about emerging generations Requires us to discern what God has called us to be and called us to do. It requires us to hand down our faith. It requires us to be a particular kind of people. A close-knit kind of family that we're not just a group of people who have a service together. They were called to be on the journey with one another. I have the great privilege, or I had the great privilege growing up, of living in a neighborhood in Brooklyn... In which we had about 20 to 25 family members within a two block radius. 20 to 25 family members within a two block radius. Crazy, cousins, uncles, aunts. I mean, we just, we all just lived in the same place. And 20 years ago, um, about 20, 25 people all got up and moved to Tampa, all together. Just kind of, like, they just did it. They're all together. But growing up, I realized there was a great gift in having family just accessible that way, but it was more than just family. That there were just other people in the neighborhood that were on the journey together. And when they saw me using language that I would not use in front of my parents, amen, somebody. Someone like Miss Jean would very gently remind me that even though her, my parents are not there, that that she's looking out for me mm-hmm. that she's calling me to something higher mm-hmm. and what we're it is just this close knit kind of community which was a great gave me a great vision of what the church is to be mm-hmm. extended family in which we are serving one another in the way of Jesus but this means that we have to recognize that we are called and sent in the in the language of Romans 10 we are called and we are sent to one another to bring good news.
1: And Romans 10 says, everyone who calls help God gets help. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who could be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it?
0: What if God has sent you Not just out there. We also often talk about missions and and being missional as what do we have to do out there? And if you know anything about our congregation, we are very serious about what needs to happen out there. Serving the poor, serving the marginalized, serving those that are overseen and under-resourced. And at the same time, what if God has sent you in here? What if God has called you to serve one another and the emerging generation and I believe that is God's invitation to us and so for the entire community we are all here to serve one another and to disciple the next generation in the name of Jesus but we also have implications and this has implications for the younger generation as well and we want to offer some word to those in the younger generation in our church
1: For those of you in the younger generation, um, recently my daughter turned 13 and my husband and I had wrote letters to her. And then it was at the end of reading the letter that I realized, wow, well first I wrote the letter um, and I shared things that I wish someone would share with me when I was around her age. And so I took this letter and I adjusted it and I changed it to all of you because I realized that this letter is important and has some really powerful things that can impact you The younger generation. so
0: What Rosie would look like. So, you put up there, there goes Rosie right there. That's me. Super cute. That's about uh, six, seven years before I met her. You know, I was just, (laughs) uh, but yeah, there it is. On the right side there, not that
1: side there. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And so, (laughs) thanks for clarifying, honey. I didn't
0: think that one through. Go ahead, honey.
1: And so young people, this letter is for you today. Dear young person at New Life Fellowship, as you journey through your preteen, teen years, here are some things we want you to remember. You are deeply known and deeply loved by a real and true and loving God. Let this truth sink deep into your soul and heart and mind. It will change how you see life See yourself and the world around you. Number two, you are not alone. The path you are on, the things you are going through, the things you're feeling and thinking, they've been experienced by many others too. And many are feeling what you are feeling now as well. Reach out to those who have been there and see if they can help you on your journey. Number three, Always keep your heart and mind open and seeking what God is doing in you, through you, and around you. God is always moving, working, helping, and strengthening people. He has great things in store for you, so keep seeking to engage what God has for you. Number four. Find and own your power. Jesus has left us the Holy Spirit to live in and through us, and has therefore given us access to a power we will never find anywhere else. It is yours, and you do not need anyone around you to give you your power. It comes from the Creator, and it is yours in Christ. You can access your power by seeking God for it, inviting God into your heart and life through the Holy Spirit and by owning and living in that power that is in you through the Holy Spirit. And number five, don't be afraid to ask hard questions related to faith. God is not afraid of your questions. As a matter of fact, God invites them. Wrestling with questions is a normal part of your faith journey. May you grow to love and connect with the God who made you and may you reach out to connect with others in other life stages and connect with God who loves you more than any other. Grace and peace to you. Love, Pastor Rich and Rosie Vigilas.
0: When we crafted some of these words, this is our heart for you. And as we think about that last statement in particular of God's not afraid of your questions. And we want to be a church where people can ask big questions and hard questions about faith and hard questions about the Bible and hard questions about God, that God invites us into that. And we want to be a community in which we are wrestling together, praying together, seeking God's face together. And so as we think about Deuteronomy, that's a word for our entire congregation a word for us as our young for our younger generation. And then we just want to just offer a couple of words to parents and caregivers before we close our message. And our primary task as parents and caregivers is emotional connection. That the greatest gift you can give the children that God has entrusted to you is emotional connection. It's very easy to focus on behavior modification. It's very easy to be oriented around, don't do this, you better do that. And fail to connect with their hearts. And so what ends up happening is kids who are behaving doing this or not doing that, but you don't have their hearts. What we're invited to as a church, and this is why we put together parenting conferences and all the rest, so that we can prioritize the hearts and prioritize connection, out of which we can talk about wisely making decisions, out of which we can talk about what's healthy and what's unhealthy, out of which we can talk about boundaries and what are the things that we need to limit and what are the things we need to pursue. But parents, our invitation first and foremost is not to get our kids into the right school and do all the rest. Our primary goal is to connect with them emotionally and spiritually We're called to model something to our children, and there's a verse in the Bible that some of us might be terrified of, but I think we need to hear it. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, it says, Paul says, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ, and that may be terrifying for some of us. It's like, I don't know if I want you to do that, but as followers of Jesus, what are we invited to? To be like Jesus. This is not about living something perfectly, Mm. but about wrestling with something faithfully. And as we seek to wrestle with what it means to be a follower of Jesus, our hearts are that we would model it to the people around us. You know, it's very easy to say, put the phone down! Mm -hmm. And yet, and I say this as the chief among sinners here, while I have my phone in my hand. (laughs) Put the phone down! In the name of Jesus! And I go back to my own thing (laughs) here. It's very easy to want our children to have a life with prayer, and yet they never see us pray. We want our children to be in scripture, but they never see us reading the Bible. We are called not just to have heart connection, we are called in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit to model something for them, to show them. This is why when we gather, and I'm so glad that some middle schoolers are with us here, that when we gather together, and as parents, when we lift our hands and lift our voices, we're modeling for our children dependence upon God. We're modeling for our children worship. That certain things are taught and certain things are caught. And we want them to catch what we have. That we have a life with God. That our lives are fully dependent upon our Lord Jesus Christ. And as they see us worship, and as they see us pray, and as they see us read scripture, there's certain things that then rub off on them. And we're called to work for their hearts and to be attentive to their hearts and to model something for them and we need god's grace to do it
1: and one of the last things i just talking about reactivity um and this is something god is continuously working on through me parents we need to foster a spirit so to speak of curiosity instead of reactivity and ask god to help us to minimize our reaction levels and the reason why is because we can shut down a lot of walls just by our reaction to you did what you know just well mom can't handle this you know I'm gonna shut down now and so parents I urge you to uh, approach parenting and I know you do this but just with a humble dependence on God I often apologize to my kids a lot I'm sorry I shouldn't have spoken to you that way I said something really mean, or I maybe I didn't say anything mean. I said something in a really bad tone, and I apologize, I'm sorry for that. But approaching parenting with a humble heart that you don't have all the answers, and letting your kids know that. I don't have all the answers, but I do know some things, and I wanna share that with you. Um, and so yeah, so, and just approaching um, your parenting and your children with curiosity. Tell me more about why did you wanna do that? Tell me more about Why you thought
0: that way? Yeah, calm presence at its core is what we are invited to. Yeah. And so when we think about the next generation and handing down faith, all of these things are integral to what it means to be followers of Jesus. And there's an image I wanna lead you with as the worship team comes forward. When I think about my own journey, I have become a follower of Jesus and have taken subsequent steps in my life with God and faith Not because I've done it alone, but because I've had over my years, people, multi-generational communities that have helped me to follow Jesus. When I became a Christian at 19 years of age, I went into my grandfather's room. You Show a picture of my grandfather and I. And that's me when I had hair. And uh, a glorious season in my life. And um, I remember I had become a Christian. Jesus had touched my heart. I had received just a, a, a new hope, a new vision for my life, but I had so many questions about the Bible, so many questions about faith, and I remember walking into my grandfather's room who lived one block away from me, and typically my grandfather would be in his, on his bed, his legs crossed with the Bible in his arm, his hands here on his lap, and eating M&M's, and, uh, and that was his thing, and, and either watching the Mets play or boxing, and, but that, that was his thing. And I remember walking into my grandfather's room. Usually I would just give him a kiss on the cheek, some small talk, and walk out, but I had just been touched by Jesus. And I remember a few days later, walking to his bedroom with my Bible in my hand, and I said, Grandpa, I, I don't understand something here. Could you explain something and he said sit down next to me and I sat down next to him and three hours later I was like and what about this and and what about that and then three hours were done and I said hey thank you grandpa I really appreciate it and he said come again tomorrow I said I'm playing basketball tomorrow he said no you're not you come back over tomorrow and and the next day I sat with him and the next day I sat with him and for about four to five days a week, two to three hours each time for eight months before he died. He was very ill at this picture here. It was like he was saying, he was thinking, I'm going to pour everything I have into my grandson. I'm going to pour all of the insight and theology, all of the prayers that I've prayed, all of my encounter with God, sit down next to me. I'm going to pour it into you. And then this is what would happen. This is, this is no lie. He would have me memorize verses. And the first chapter he had me memorize, not like a verse, like Jesus wept. That was easy. He, he, he had me memorize Psalm 27. A lot of verses in Psalm 27. And he had me memorize it. And then I never forgot the day where I said, Grandpa, I'm not coming over. And he said, you're not? Take out a pen and paper and write down all these verses, and I wrote verse after verse after verse, and he said, we're going to memorize that, all those verses this month. What was he doing? He knew he didn't have a lot of time left, but he thought, I'm going to pour everything I have. I am the person I am today because I've had people in my life pouring into me, saying, God has a future for you. God has a life for you. And that's what we want to be for the next generation. It might not be in the same way that I had with my grandfather. But certainly you can, brothers and sisters, take an hour of your week on a Sunday to pour into some middle schoolers, to encourage some high schoolers, to play games with some elementary students, to be the presence of Jesus for the next generation, pouring into them. And so as we think about it, amen. As we close and think about our church and what we're called to be, we want to end with just words of encouragement, kind of prophetic words. We want to speak some words over you, and we want to do it in three different groups, and then we'll sing. And then downstairs, as Pastor Dave mentioned, there's Krispy Kreme donuts waiting for you. We're gonna get there. (laughs) Sugar-free Krispy Kreme donuts. (laughs) But there's three groups of people who want to speak a word of life over today. Uh, The
1: first group, that we would like to speak a word over um, is to the next generation. So anyone, any young people in the room from cradle all the way to 18 years old, please stand where you are. Stand up, we, want, we have a word for you that we have prayed over. We're, we're not gonna ask you for, to speak. We're not right gonna ask you to don't speak. Don't worry, up. we're not gonna yeah, ask you to speak. Give it up for them as they... Uh, do any there. Just, <laughs> stay standing. You to Keep, stay standing all the way up to 15. Yeah. Remain standing because this word is for you. We have prayed and we ask the Lord to share with us what do you have for your people? What do you have for your young people? And these are the words that Pastor Rich and I have um, have written down for you. To the next generation, here is the word of the Lord for you today. You are not defined by your accomplishments, your sins, your insecurity. Your, anxieties, your fears, what others say about you, or anything else. You are who God says you are in Christ and who you are created to be. Walk in that freedom. The book of Genesis says that you are made in God's image. You are valuable and you are worthy of dignity and respect. Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven says that the Lord has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. You are loved more deeply, more widely, and more profoundly by our creator, your family, and the family of God.
0: Amen. Amen. We want to keep remain standing and we, we want to ask just the uh, to
1: parents. join your children. Yeah, parents and care-
0: and caregivers you, just stand like where you're at. Parents and caregivers, as well.
1: if you can stand next to your kids, we have a word over you as well.
0: For you parents in the room, we want you to know deep down in your soul that whether you feel it or not, you are the right parent for your child. You were chosen by God for this, and God will give you everything you need for the journey. That you are not alone with your fears and your insecurities and your ups and downs, We wanna call you to pray and intercede for your children. And remember that the gift of your presence is the greatest gift you can give to your children, the gift of your presence. And remember that God is with you. But this is a word for all of us, and so let's have the entire congregation just stand. God has a word for all of us, not just our younger generation, not just parents, but for all of us who are the family of Jesus over here in Queens, New York City.
1: To the the congregation here at New Life, here is the word of the Lord for you. We are the body of Christ. We belong to one another. There is wisdom in you that you have that needs to be shared.
0: Yeah, there's stories in you. Amen. Stories that you carry. Wounds that you carry. Trauma that you carry. That God wants to use for the blessing and the healing of this emerging generation. Gifts inside of you. Amen. That the Holy Spirit has deposited in you that are to be stewarded and used for the blessing of others. And we are called to journey with one another, to show the world what is possible when Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning over a community. And so Lord Jesus, we give you praise. We thank you for what you've called us into. We're more than just the mall. We're more than just a stadium. We're more than a subway car. We are the family of Jesus, called by the Holy Spirit to create and shape and to disciple and to serve this next generation. Now, Lord, give us grace to do it. Give us vision to do it. Give us a heart to do it. And we sing to you now as a multi-generational community of faith. We sing to you now in the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said... Amen. Let's all sing together. Amen. I believe in you. I believe
2: in you. God, I believe. Let's sing. Make way. So make way through the waters. Walk me through the fire. Do what you are famous for. What you are famous for, shut the mouths of lions, bring dry bones to life, and do what you are famous for. What you should make with Abundantly more than he we ask or think, Lord, you will never he fail. Your name is powerful. powerful. out because i have seen your faithfulness faithfulness, my fortress fortress, over and over over. let's do one pass of this What you are to make way. For. Make way through the wire. Walk me through the fire. Do what you are famous for. What, what you are famous for. Shut the mouth Oh, bring thy bones, bones to life. And, do what, what you are famous What you are for. famous you are for. for. Next year. Oh, you. cause there is no fear, cause I believe, there is no doubt, cause I have seen your faithfulness, my fortress over oh,
0: As you close here, first of all, I'll give it up for my wife, Rosie, here. Uh, she's good, she's good. Um, let's have our prayer team come to my right. I imagine, listen, to, uh, to, to live in this particular cultural moment, this age that we're in, is not easy. But you know what, it's never been easy. And we need the prayers of one another, the support of one another. I imagine some of you, maybe you're in middle school right now, and high school, and you've just been struggling, just your identity, your understanding of God. You just need someone to pray for you. And our prayer team, our prayer team members will be here to pray for you. Maybe you're a parent, and you just don't know what to do next. You've tried all kinds of things, and you're just like, I just don't know what to do next. But what we can do is, receive prayer. That God maybe can speak a word of hope to you. Maybe you're a married couple and you're trying to figure out how to do this together. Maybe you're a single parent. Wherever you are on the journey, uh, married or single, children or not, we end every gathering with a time of prayer because it's one of the ways that we support one another on the journey. And in addition to that, we want you to take a moment. I know it's very easy for us to just head out and get into our cars right after that, but there's some wonderful things happening in the shell room right downstairs after yes. the service.
1: One of the things that's happening is there's a fundraiser. Um, during the pandemic, there were some flash floods here in Queens um, and it done some damage to our kids' environments. And so they're doing a fundraiser to help fix up some of that de- damage that happened. Uh, so if you can head downstairs and support Young people in that way and helping their uh, physical environments that would be such a blessing.
0: And there's Krispy Kreme donuts, amen. Somebody and coffee, and so if you want access to said donuts, uh, you can go right down. That's their, it's the expressway to the donuts. If you want to go back that way, that's fine as well. Feel free. But if you want to get first access to that, you can head down this way. And so, listen, get a quick prayer and then, boom, walk for the donuts. And so, uh, we want to just connect and see that as a space where we can uh, connect in that space there. And so, as we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, you're watching online, and something's been stirred in your soul, we want to serve you along those lines as well. If you're trying to take the next step in your spiritual journey, uh, feel free to come up for prayer. We want to serve you as best as we can. With your hands in your hearts in a posture of receiving brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace and may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the holy spirit and may you know that god is with you may you know that god is for you may you know that god loves you with an everlasting love i bless you in the strong in the beautiful in the resurrected name of jesus christ and everyone said amen amen grace and peace to all of you